study in from Dr. Leroy Thompson Sr.'s, one of his newest books, How to Find Your Wealthy Place. And uh, I won't go through why again, but just basically we wanted y'all to have it. Let's read the first part that we read every time, and then we'll get started. He said, uh, uh, the Lord told me, Leroy, I have given you a voice for money, and I have given my people ears to hear. Aren't you glad that you have ears to hear? I have anointed you to get the truth across to my people. They are going to get it this time like never before. Keep the vision clear. Keep the revelation clear. Do not compromise. Do not apologize. This time I will not be denied. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad God's not going to be denied in your life. Amen. He's not going to be denied in your life. Hallelujah. Now, you know, Brother Leroy can't be everywhere at the same time. And God wants all his people to have this. He don't want just the people in Darrow, Louisiana, and the people that are in the meetings where Brother Leroy travels to. So that's why he had him put it in a book. And that's why God will anoint us studying from it. Amen. He'll anoint us studying from it just as much if, as if Dr. Leroy were here. Although I wish he was because he's funny and I, you, you, if you ever get a chance, get in one of his meetings. Okay, and then let's read this part. There is a place you can go to where you do not have to even think about money because you have so much of it and every believer, not just a select few, can go there. Hallelujah. Thank God God's no respecter of persons. Y'all would agree with that, wouldn't you? Let's, I'm going to read another part getting started tonight. Um, I think we read this the last time, but I'll just go over it one more time, this little part. It said, the Lord once spoke to me and said, tell my children that they can't dream any bigger than I can deliver. Hallelujah. You know, the fact is you're really probably not dreaming big enough. Well, I know you're not dreaming big enough. You know why I know you're not dreaming big enough? Because every one of you here was raised in poverty. Now, I know, I thought, well, if I say that, because the Holy Spirit spoke it to me on the front row, I thought, if I say that, somebody's going to get mad at me for saying that, because they're going to say, no, I wasn't. But yes, you were, when you consider how God looks at money. Amen. And most of you were raised just like I was, with good parents who were generous with you and did the very best they could, but you were still raised skimping and scraping. You know, not just, you know... <laughs> You know, even if they had money, most of the time they're, they are, uh, have a poverty mentality. Not because they're bad people, but because they just didn't, ha don't have, didn't have the revelation. Amen? Hallelujah. So, because of that, uh, uh, we are not dreaming as big as God wants us to. When you get hold of the, this revelation that you can't dream any bigger than God can deliver and begin to act on it, God will take you into your wealthy place. You will be headed for a blessing traffic jam. While you are sleeping, he will do the work. Just believe him and refuse to let go of his promise. In fact, he can increase you rapidly. Now, I really like that sentence. Uh, he can increase you rapidly. How many of you like things that are slow? Well, nobody likes slow. There's just nothing. There's nothing good that's slow. The only thing good that's slow is if you like molasses... You may really like molasses, and molasses is slow. It really, you try to pour molasses out of a jar, and it's going to pour slow. That's the only thing I can think of that's good, that's slow. It doesn't have to be a slow work. God will bring rapid increase to your house if you will take him at his word. So how many of you want rapid increase? Yes, Hallelujah. That's how I want it, rapidly, God, rapidly. And so let's look in the scriptures tonight get started. What I want to talk about at first tonight, kind of 
you know, I'm going right with the book. So I'm going to talk for a little bit about speeding up the journey. You know, God said he would do it rapidly, so let's find out how we can speed up the journey. Turn to Psalm 102. Look at some scriptures. A hundred and two verse thirteen. He says, and we've read this before this scripture. Uh, in fact, we read it before months ago and talked about it. But it says, Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion. And we know that Hebrews teaches us that Zion is a type of the church. For the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. So God reveals to us here in the book of Psalms that there's going to come a set time when he has set aside a time to favor the church. Well, we live in the day when God is favoring the church. Amen? Then turn to Psalm 118. If you believe God's prophets, you have to know that that is true. Did you know, see a lot of people don't even know that there be any such thing as a prophet. But God has prophets in the earth now just like he did when Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Micah and Nahum and all those guys that, were, that are prophets, when they walked the earth, he has prophets in the earth now too, just like that. And God tells us in, um, I believe it's in Amos, I think it's in Amos, yeah. Tell me, if, tell me if I'm wrong, correct me. It's one of those books. That he will not do anything in the earth unless he first tells the prophets. Amen. Amen. Well, the reason for that is, is because God has given authority in the earth to man. And so for anything to be done in the earth, somebody has to speak it. Amen. Amen. When he created the heavens and the earth, he said, light be. But when he created Adam and then he gave dominion and authority, then, then now uh, Adam was, had the lease. On the, it's like leasing a piece of land. Now Adam is in charge of the earth. He was in charge of the earth. He leased it out to Adam. Adam subleased it to the devil. Amen. Amen. Jesus came and bought, it, bought everything back for the believer. Now, Satan is still in charge of the, earth, the, the world system. He has a certain time, and that's why the devils, I'm kind of getting off, but I gotta, you know, I find one thought leads me to explain something else to you. When Jesus would come up to people, in the, and when Jesus walked the earth, and he would go to cast out of a devil, they would tell Jesus, the devils would speak and say, do not torment us before our time. Because, see, they know and the devil knows that they have a certain time limit on the earth. That, so that's why you can't, why Jesus doesn't and why you can't say, devils, you go to the pit of hell and you stay there. They have a right to be here. Amen. They don't have a right to interfere in your life. Because Jesus bought you at back. He, he, you were on the auction block of sin and he bought you. Amen? So now the only authority the devil can have in your life is what he takes through your ignorance because you don't know that and you let him have authority. Or I guess really all of it would come under that title. Sometimes as believers we know better but we still let him in by the things we say with our mouth. 
In other words, we give him permission. We say dumb things. That just we, we walk around and say things like, well, I just laughed till I nearly died. And if you know, listen, nearly every time now that Pastor and I hear about a tragedy, nearly every time, if you listen carefully, they, the family, somebody in the family, or somebody will tell you something that somebody said that opened a door for the enemy. Even in your life, if you, if you really will ask the Lord, and I'm the kind that wants to know, God, what did I do? How did I open the door here? Usually you can find how you open the door. Now sometimes we open the door just by not doing the word. Well, oh, my filing, my filing cabinet fell apart. We'll pick that up later. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so um, where was I? Tell me, somebody get me back on track. Psalm 118, okay, verse 23. Verse 23. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Hallelujah. You need to circle that word now there. Send now prosperity. Amen. So now is the time. See, God has a now mentality. But, you know, you probably have been guilty, as I have, about pushing things into the future. Amen. Well, I just know God's going to heal me someday. You'll never get it. You'll never get it. Why? Because God operates in the now. And faith is never future. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is. Now faith is. Not someday faith is. Not someday I'm going to be healed. Now faith is. Well, you have to renew your mind for a while. Because at first it's like, yeah, but I don't feel healed. But then as you renew your mind to the Word of God, you realize that that, that doesn't have anything to do with it. It has nothing to do with how you feel. And so now is the day of prosperity too. Now's not just the day of healing. And so I've, I've, had, I've heard people confess this before. I just know God's going to prosper us. No, now faith is. I'm prosperous. The bill collectors might be calling but I'm prosperous. And Father, you are perfecting that which concerns me. And Father, you need to talk to God. If, you, if the bill collectors are calling, you need to talk to him and say, now, you know, don't just walk around in this faith fog and, 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 and not ask God, now, Father, where am I missing it here? Where am I missing it? He will show you where you're missing it. He'll, if, you're, if you're in faith for healing and you're not getting a manifestation, you know, like you should be, and there is a stand of faith, there is a time lapse between the time you believe you receive and the time you get manifestation, but if that time lapse is going lengthy, you need to ask God, God, am I missing it anywhere? And, you know, he'll talk to you. He may just say, Stead, just stay steady. If he says stay steady, you'll know you're not missing it anywhere. You're just in the time lapse. But I tell you what, most of the time he needs to perfect some things that concerns us. He may talk to us about our mouth. He may talk to us about, you know, we may not be doing our brother in Christ right. And that can hinder our prosperity and our healing. Amen. 
We may need to forgive somebody. We may need to make amends somewhere to somebody. Amen? Or maybe we've got an attitude we shouldn't have. Or we've got, you know, there's all number of things that, that, that but, and only God can show us. That's why it takes revelation. It takes revelation, doesn't it? It's going to take you revelation to get to your wealthy place. It's going to take revelation to prosper. Amen? It's also going to take revelation to walk in health. Hallelujah. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. You know, the Bible talks about sabotaging yourself. That's not really the word it uses. It says opposing yourself. But, you know, a lot of times we're opposing ourselves. We're sabotaging our own prosperity or sabotaging our own healing. We've got to find out why. We've got to actively believe God to perfect that which concerns us. You know, most of us have an attitude of close enough, good enough. Close enough. But, you know, this is an exact science. Not because God's a hard taskmaster, but because he has to work within legal limits. He cannot violate what he put in this word because the devil, if he ever violates it, he'd be a liar. He'd be unrighteous. So he has to work within legal limits. And so he'll bless you as far as he can. But they're, they're, if you're not doing the word in certain areas, there'll come a place where he can't bless you any further than that. You won't be able to go on to that those higher places. Amen? So, uh, so now is the time. God, now is the time that God is speeding up the wealth process in the whole earth. You can, hey, you don't, even, you don't even have to look in the kingdom to see that God's speeding up the wealth process. The world is even taking advantage of this speeded up wealth process. You can just listen to talk, I mean, uh, not like talk shows, but like... Uh, what are those like? Doc, we're like documentary shows like 2020 and 60 Minutes and things like that. Or read in magazines how the, the young people are prospering really quickly in our day. You know what? You, you've heard. You know, there's, you can hear how about how 10 years ago there was this many millionaires and now there's this many millionaires. And now I heard on TV the other day that like 30 years ago to be a millionaire was considered wealthy and now they don't even consider you a wealthy if you're a millionaire. That's right. Come on now. You're not even considered wealthy. Well, you are considered wealthy, they said, if you can live on the Let me say this right, on the interest of the interest. Not just live on the interest but live on the interest that your interest makes. Now, I heard that on TV the other day. Wow. Hallelujah. So when God is... So see, I told you you had poverty mentality because you never thought of... You might have thought about living on the interest, but have you thought about living on the interest of your interest? Hallelujah. And when, so when God's talking about wealth, surely he's at least talking about as much as the world says is wealth. Amen? Because our God's bigger. If the devil calls, the devil's crowd calls that wealth, see, devil's the God of this world system, then what in the world is God calling wealth? Amen? 
Amen. So now is that time. And it's imperative to get yourself positioned for the increase. It's not going to fall on us like ripe cherries off of a tree. It's not going to fall on us because we got good hearts. It's not going to fall on us because we love God. It's not going to call on us because we have good intentions. Amen. We have to get ourselves positioned. It just boils down to this, family. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Amen? Okay. So number one way to speed up the journey is to quit looking to the future. Now, we kind of have this whole mentality of looking to the future in our society. I would venture to say that you are very programmed to look, at the, look to the future. I would dare to say that by Tuesday or Wednesday of every week, you are saying things at your job like, I can't wait till Friday. See how you're looking to the future? You're not living in today very good. See, you're supposed to be enjoying every day. You're not supposed to be living for the future. You know, because they even say, you know, well, you know, it's TGIF, thank God it's Friday. And Wednesday's like hump day, somebody said. You know, that's when you get over the hump halfway through the week, you know. See, see how we need to reprogram ourselves? Now, I was, I started to say I was raised with. I, my husband raised me. No, he, <laughs> he's been on me for years. Debbie, quit wishing your life away. When I would say things like, I just can't wait till this is over. Because see, I was the kind of person that I would plan a party. Oh man, Michael, let's have a party. This will be fun. Don't this sound like fun? Oh, this will be so much fun. And I'll just decorate and I'll just do all this and I'll just cook all this stuff. And about halfway into it, I'd be go, oh God, I can't wait till this is over. I really would, wouldn't I? Oh, I'm just, I, just, I just can't wait till this is over. And he'd say, Debbie, quit wishing your life away. And he's just about got me trained where I just like every day. He, this is how this man lives. Monday is the same as Sunday is the same as nothing. There is no, no day. Every day is the same. Amen. So uh, we got to get out of that future stuff. Look in verse 23 there. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Now, when you get to your wealthy place and somebody asks you, how did you get wealthy so fast? I want you to mark this in your Bible. This is your answer. God's giving you the answer ahead of time. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Amen. Have you figured out that it's... And this is the place you've got to be. This is not about me. If I could do it, I'd already done it. God, you're going to have to do this through me. Amen. Okay, so we get a now mentality. We begin, and Pastor already had us doing this tonight, declare financial freedom now. Begin to declare your financial freedom now. You may feel bound, but declare you're free. You may feel like, oh, the debt's swallowing me up, but declare you're debt free. Amen. Don't just confess it now. Expect it now. Now, you have to work on yourself a while to not only confess it now, but to expect it now. I'm to the point when a strange envelope shows up at my house, you know, and, unless it looks like it came from a credit card, you know, how many of y'all get four credit card offers a day, you know? 
Amen. But, you know, if it has, like, handwriting on it, I am, like, ripping it open because I'm thinking it's going to be a $10,000 check. Man, I am shocked when it's not. Why? Because I've gotten myself into the now. I've got myself expecting, not only confessing it now, but expecting it now. Amen? Hallelujah. You need to talk about now. Amen? And help each other. Don't get defensive when your husband corrects you and says, uh-uh, uh don't say that, don't say that. And don't get defensive. Now, I might ought to should have said this probably more. Don't get defensive when your wife says, don't, 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 don't say that, don't say that. Uh-uh, don't say that. See, a lot of times we're not in faith and we don't even know we're not in faith. We have faith, but we don't know we're not in faith. But our mouth will give us away. Amen? And so we need help. See, sometimes we can just make that one little correction and just, just get in faith. Just one little, one little thing. Man, I see it. Man, I've been pushing that into the future. Or, man, I see it. Man, I, you know, because we all have our little area. You know, the devil has had demons. Now, the devil's not omnipresent. We need to make that clear. He is not here tonight. This is too little a business for him. He's taking care of more major things. But he does have uh, demon spirits, and they're not omnipresent either. But they do watch us. And they know what hits your button, too. They do, because they've watched you for years, and they know what will set you off. They know how to get you in unbelief. They know, how, they know what causes your faith to hit the floor. And you know what? They try it till it doesn't work anymore. And see, you can, God will show you too. And he'll show you how to not, not walk in those places anymore. Okay, so talk about now. Declare God's grace now. And de- here, listen to this one. Declare I'm a big time giver now. Declare, I'm a big-time giver now. Let's say that together. I'm a big-time giver now. Amen. So Psalm 118, verse 25. The 25. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Now prosperity. Now prosperity. Not when we get a little older. Not when we get the kids out of college. And it quits being a, not when we get this hospital bill paid off. Okay. Not when we get a better job. Not when we get a raise. Now, prosperity. Right. Not even when my husband gets saved. Amen. Sin, now, prosperity. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 118.24. How many, God talks about now a lot in the Bible. Several verses I thought of. Psalm 118.24 we just read. This is the day. This is the day. Then there's another one in. Now faith is. Hebrews 11.1. Another one. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. God told us over and over how we had to get in into today. Amen. So we need to make a demand on God's power now. God is sending now prosperity and we need to cooperate with him. It is his season. Amen. So we have to lay a foundation to receive the God kind of wealth. Now I'm going to read to you again. Find my book. 
We're going to lay a foundation to receive the God kind of wealth. Okay, over the years I have met and ministered to thousands in the body of Christ who are not prospering as they should. They tithe, they give offerings, they live morally right, they are committed to the local church, and they are submitted to spiritual authority, yet they are broke. There are many good Christians, even good ministers, who are broke. How can that be? There has to be a reason. Something has been hindering them. Now, sometimes I want to stop there and say this. This is the wrong thinking. Sometimes we think we're waiting on God. And we just think if we sow long enough, if we give long enough, if we just keep on keeping on, that one of these days it'll happen. And it is true that if we, we have, do have to keep on keeping on. Because if you stop, you're sure not going to. But, uh, but I told you before, and I'm, so I'll repeat what he's saying. We Find out the reason. Amen? Something has been hindering them. I believe the answer to that dilemma is that a proper foundation for finances has not been laid. You see, if the tithe were the answer, we would have it. Most of the church, I'm talking about our kinds of churches. A lot of other churches don't even preach the tithe. Don't even mention it because the pastor would get fired if he did. In fact, our, my parents were here this past weekend and they go to a church, a denominational church, and they said they don't, they, the tithe is not talked about in their church and it is one of the biggest churches in that, that city. So, but in our type of churches, for most people, you see, if the tithe were answer, we would have it. We would have prosperity. Now, don't misunderstand me. Without your tithing, you are not going to be blessed. So you can't do it without the tithe. But there's some more to it besides the tithe, isn't there? Now, but if the tithe were the answer, we would have it. Many have tithed for years but have not come into the financial blessing God wanted them to have. They have not entered into the wealthy place. And so he says, I have found the answer. There are a few adjustments we have to make. But when you make those adjustments, it doesn't matter what your family background or how long you've been broke, you can enter into the land of the rich. So all we have to do is make a few adjustments. Can you do that? Amen. Pastor's always saying, having you say, I can do that. Amen. I can make some adjustments, can't you? Okay. So the word foundation, and this might help us a little, the word foundation means prepared ground. It also means, if you just look it up in the dictionary, one of the definitions is prepared ground. Another one of the definitions is establishing a footing. When you're going to lay a, put a foundation for a building, you put a footing. Amen. Does everybody understand what that is? So we need to prepare our ground in our lives and establish a spiritual footing so that God can prosper us. And here's something you need to know. Satan is not going to roll over and play dead concerning your prosperity or anything, your healing or anything, right? Everybody understands that by now, I'm sure. So you have to persevere in what you know. So you might as well just put on a persevering spirit. Of course, you wouldn't be at Wednesday night church if you hadn't already probably persevered through a lot of things. Sure. Amen? So you know that, but I'm just reminding you. So Brother Leroy gives nine foundation stones for your wealthy place, and we're going to study each one of them. And what we need to do as we study these nine foundation stones for our wealthy place is to look and see if any one or several of these stones is not securely in place in our life. So while we're teaching this, we're not, we need to be examining ourselves and see if we've got it right. And then we need to make the adjustments. Amen? Many times it can just be a very small adjustment. Sometimes we need to do some homework. Amen? 
And hallelujah, but it goes back to that. Hey, have y'all figured out that even though salvation is a free gift, you get to go to heaven for free, that nothing else about Christianity is a free ride? Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody wishes it was, but it's not. So, in other words, although it's by grace and it's not in our own strength, he gives us the strength, he gives us the will, he gives us the desire to do those things, we still have to apply ourselves, you know, to the things of God. Most of the time, and here's, okay, here's the first foundation stone. The first foundation stone is, make, is excuse me, use the word of God to fight your battles. Use the word of God to fight your battles. Now I know that seems real simple, but in most of life, we don't do that. In most of, now we do it if, sometimes we do it on big things, like when we get a really bad doctor's report or something like that. But I know, going back to how husbands and wives can help each other, I know that in different times, and I finally learned this, um, but in different times in our life in ministry, and I especially remember one time when we were in Seminole that we were going through a really tough time in the ministry, and, and, and it is wonderful having a husband in faith, I can tell you that. Uh, so pray for yours that he'll get there, don't shoot him and get another one. You know? so, or praise God if you've got one. Hallelujah. Keep him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But one thing Pastor would say to me all the time is when I would just be like, Oh, God. Oh, God. What are we going to do? Oh, God. What are we going to do? You know, like that. Having one of those days, he would say, Debbie, put the pressure on the Word. Put the pressure on the Word. See, we need to let, quit letting the devil put the pressure on us. And when we begin to feel pressured, whether it's financially or any area, when you begin to feel pressure, you put pressure on the Word. Amen? Now, there's, uh, there's something I need to tell you about this. Use the Word of God to fight your battles. It must be proven weaponry in your life. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we'll look at verse 38. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38. Now, this is the story of uh, David and Goliath. And uh, we know, you know, the, Goliath, the giant Goliath and none of the army of Israel led by Saul wanted to go out and fight this giant. And David, a, little, a pretty young shepherd boy, was willing to do that and in verse 38 it says and Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head also he armed him with a coat of mail and David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go for he had not proved it he had not proved it see Saul tried to put an armor on him that David hadn't proven and David said unto Saul I cannot go with these for I have not proved them. And David put them off him, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had. 
even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And you know the rest of the story, how he went out and killed Goliath with one stone. Actually, he took five, but he only needed one, didn't he? And so, um, but he had proved, he used his proven weaponry. And he, he was not trying to use Saul's armor because he hadn't proved it. Now see, that's how the Word of God is in our lives. And a lot of times what we do is we try to use faith when we don't know the Word. And you will not ever be successful at using your faith without knowing the Word. And if you get it, just really boil it down to when you find somebody that has a faith failure in their life. In other words, maybe somebody that you know of that went up, got prayed for, uh, believed God, and, and endeavored to be healed of a serious disease, but they ended up dying. It nearly always goes back to this bottom line is they didn't know the word. And they tried to get healed and stay healed and, you know, own somebody else's knowledge of the Word of God. Now, a lot of times you can get healed on somebody else's knowledge of the Word of God. But eventually, the Bible talks about how Satan comes back. Amen? And eventually, you're going to have to know something. So if you get healed on somebody else's faith, all you did was buy yourself some time. You better get something. You better get you five smooth stones in your pocket. Amen? Amen. Because you have to know the word. And see, a lot of times, you know, Pastor Buzzy has a tape. I don't know if anybody bought that, Why Uncle Ned Died. Did anybody buy Why Uncle Ned Died? I just couldn't wait to find out why Uncle Ned died. I knew why he died before listening to it, though. And see, you know, and it's the same scenario. A lot of people get hung up on this. I prayed for them. I believed. And I know I was in faith. But, but why didn't they get healed? Well, see, it's not what you believed. It's what they believed. It's not what you said, it's what they said. Amen? So you got to get your own five smooth stones. You can't use my five smooth stones. You can't use your neighbor's five. Now, we can help each other. We can pray for one another. We can strengthen each other. It's so important to be in a place where people strengthen you. Amen? And, and, and all those things. But bottom line is, family, and let me just say it out this way, you have to know the Word of God. And I'm not talking about a general knowledge of the Word of God. I'm not even talking about just knowing that God's a healer, that Jesus heals. I'm not just talking about knowing that Jesus bore your sickness and carried your disease. I'm talking about knowing the Word of God so that when you face circumstances in your life, you just, you, you just, you, you, the Word of God that you've hid in your heart just comes up. See, in the heart of the battle, you've got to know your weapons. The Word of God, and this, I'm going to quote Leroy on this, the Word of God is proven, but it may be unproven in your life. You know, the Bible says the Word of God is tested and tried. Well, the Word of God is proven, but it may be unproven in your life. The Word has to be in you. The Word has to be real to you. Real to you. Well, how do you do it? What you just over and over, over and over, over and over, over and over, over and over. I don't know how to tell you how it happens, but as you put this in over and over, one day it just takes hold. Amen? 
And I know when people first come into a church like this, I hear them say it a lot. It's like, I just can't remember that. I just can't hold on to that. You know, I remember feeling like that. I remember the first time I listened to a Kenneth Copeland tape, I was like, how am I going to remember all this? How am I going to remember all this? I tell you, you know why you can't remember when you're first starting out? Because you don't have any foundation. There's nothing for it to grab hold of inside you. But once you start getting a foundation, you can just you can listen to preaching and you just you get it just like that. And you know, so so I tell you, I write down things, I write down key things people say, I go over them, I write down scriptures, I especially, you know, write down th- scriptures that people give and and you know, and I'll just I get those involved in my life. If you if you take scriptures and you pray scriptures and you Go up and that if you have your Bible highlighted and when you go through your Bible, you read those scriptures, you confess them out loud, they get in you. I don't know how they get in you. I'm just telling you, they do. They get in you. And, for, and so at first, what you do is like, I can't remember where that's at, but I know where it's at on the page. You know? And, and, and maybe you can't remember the whole scripture, but you remember two or three words of it. You know? And so that's, you're starting to get it. But you just keep on, and first thing you know, you don't just remember where it's at on the page. You remember what book it's in. You can't remember the reference, but you know, I know that's in James. I don't know where it's at, but I know it's in James, you know. So you, you got it a little better, don't you? You got it. You're getting it more. And, and then the next thing you know, you know, chapter 3. I can't remember which verse it is. And you know, we're all still like that on certain scriptures. There are certain, you know, pastor and I are asking each other all the time, where's so-and-so? You know, where's that scripture that says so-and-so? But I tell you, you know what? There's one thing about it. I don't have to ask him where the healing scriptures are. I don't have to ask him, you know, because I got them. Amen? I got them in me, and then I don't just rely on that. But see, and it's the ones that are in your heart. And, 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 and I'm going to surprise you here. But God's word has to be in you. God's word has to be real to you. And I'm going to ask you a question. Are God's words spirit and life to you? John 6, Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and life. See, when you first start working with the word of God, and that's really what you do. When you first start working with the word of God, they're not really, but if you keep working it, all of a sudden they become spirit and life to you. And it's not just something pastor said. And it's just not the, the Jesus that Miss Debbie preaches. It's your Jesus and your, this is my scripture. This is my verse. And God will give you a specific verse for the situations and circumstances that you come up against. He'll even give you scriptures in advance for things that Satan's going to throw at you. And you'll already be loaded. Amen. And even when you're walking through trials, you'll have your scripture. This is my scripture. I know the Holy Ghost said this. Amen. And I'm telling you, if you've never experienced it, it's like, it's like hanging on to the end of a rope over a, over a cavern sometimes or over Royal Gorge or, or whatever that other hole in the ground is. Uh, Grand Canyon. I couldn't think what it was. Uh, it's like hanging over a rope over Grand Canyon. But I tell you what, I mean, and you, it's like, oh, God. Those, that's when Scripture's precious to you. It's like, I'm hanging on to this for dear life. Yes. Amen. Yes. And I know... I know. And you say, well, I have never experienced that. Well, you just, ha- you just need to keep going and getting deeper into the Word of God. Amen? Yeah. 
And don't be always looking for a new revelation so much. Just take the healing scriptures and take the prosperity scriptures and just just go over them and mull over them and read them. And, and you know, you'll see things differently every time you read them. And if you don't, don't worry about it. You know, just the, the, there's one key is to persevere. Persevere. And when you feel like giving up, just don't. Just don't do it. Because you know, I want to tell you something, family. Everybody here has felt like giving up. Everybody here has felt like I'm doing this and it ain't doing nothing. I'm doing this and I don't feel a thing. Because some days when I read the word, I get goosebumps. But some days I don't get anything. It don't seem like. But the key, old key is to just persevere in the word of God. And, the, and, you know, it's just valuing this thing. And some people just don't value it enough. And, you know, it's just like there's no time for excuses. I don't care how much you work. I don't care how many kids you have. I don't care if you've got 12 kids. You, God is not going to make an exception. He is unable to make an exception for you because you have a busy life. He is unable to make an exception for you because you work certain hours or because you don't read well. Just, I tell you, if you don't read well, and there's lots of people in our day that don't read well, believe God. Because Smith Wigglesworth couldn't read at all, and God taught him how to read. And, all, and the funny part is, you know it was supernatural, because the only thing he could read was the Bible. When he went to read the newspaper or something, he still couldn't read. But he could read the Bible. Amen. And God will teach you how to read. God will, I'm not saying he'll do it that way. He may tell you, go enroll in a reading course and learn to read. But God will not make an exception for you having the word of God hidden in your heart because you don't read. Amen. And besides all that, there's other ways to hide it in your heart. There's Bible on cassette. There's... I don't know. There's, there's, there's a way. You ask God what the way is. Amen? I don't know why I talked about that, but maybe somebody needed it. I'm sure they did. All of life's battles, including finances, must be met with the Word of God. That not only includes the battles, but we, to, to go to the wealthy place, we have to get not only... I, I don't know if that's always a battle. Well, it is a battle getting to the wealthy place because Satan doesn't lay down. But any ground you're going to take, any new ground you're going to take, you're going to do it with the Word of God. And here's the clincher right here. It's not just this Word of God, but the battles that you fight are going to be fought with the Word of God that's in your heart. Nothing more and nothing less. It's the one that's in your heart. Now, family, if you've been one of those people and you've been remiss, and you just hadn't done it. And you just hadn't, you really honestly say, I've got a general knowledge of the Word of God, but I really don't know the Word of God. Then you're here tonight, and God's speaking to you, and He's saying, do something about it. Do something about it, and do something about it now, and do something about it quick. And get the Word of God in your heart. And, and here's one the Lord's saying. How much of the word is in your heart is how prepared you are. So if you have one verse that you have memorized, then that's how much protection you have and how prepared you are. 
If you just know one verse, you're not very prepared. You must have the word in your heart. I'm not talking about that you have it memorized verbatim and all those kind of things, but that in a pinch, you're driving down the road and, and the enemy strikes in some way. You don't, what, what should come out of your heart is the word of God. You should be able to access scripture. Not have to hunt your Bible in the car. There might not be time for that. Not have to, not have to get home and get a Bible. But you have to be able to access something in your heart right then. And not just for calamity and destruction and crisis, but for, you know, just to, to battle the, the, the thought of unbelief that will hit your mind. You know, I told you how when I was believing God for physical healing, and, and I, I mean, just when we lived in Trustful there in that cemetery that was on the road, we'd drive by that thing, and it was just like the devil would just hit me when, every time we'd drive by that cemetery with death thoughts. See, you, gotta, you can't wait till you get home because you have to deal with that right then. And you deal with it right then with the Word of God that's in your heart. Brother Copeland says, and this is so true, you cannot fight a thought from the devil with a thought. In other words, if the devil sends you a fiery dark thought that's against you and against God and against what you're believing, you cannot just think it away. You have to oppose that thought with the Word of God. So I would say when I drive by that cemetery, thank you, Lord, that you satisfy me with long life. Because Psalm 91 16, I had it hit my head in my heart. And I would fight that thought with, you satisfy me with long life. And you have to have it in your heart. And a lot of people, I can't tell you how many people in the body of Christ that are tithers, good, sincere Christians, committed, serving, in the ministry of helps, they're believing God to prosper them, but they don't even know the, the prosperity scriptures. They could not find one if they had to. Don't know where they're at. Haven't studied them out. Well, you don't, you know, good news is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. That literally, and this is how we, I did it, is I bought books that had just lists of healing scriptures. And I literally just said, okay, Exodus 15, and went over and marked Exodus 15 in my Bible in yellow. And then I just knew that all the yellow was healing scriptures. And you can do that for prosperity. There are books where somebody else has already researched it all out and knows where all the prosperity scriptures are. Even scriptures that you might, it would, if you were strictly reading the word yourself and did not have access to these books and you were strictly reading the word yourself, it would take you years to, to find that revelation. Hey, don't rely on just yourself to find revelation. If you're believing, if prosperity is an area you really need to get beefed up in, then, then, then invest $25 in a set of tapes by Pastor Leroy. Or invest in somebody else's tapes that has a real anointing to teach on prosperity. And different people do. Amen. Amen. Ask me, because there's some good faith teachers that are awesome, but their specialty is not prosperity. Their specialty is healing. And there's, I, I tell you, I, I, I'll just say this out there. I don't want to listen to Brother Leroy on healing. I already did. I don't want to listen to him on healing. That's not his area of anointing. I already found it out. You know where his anointing is? Prosperity. I, there ain't nobody better on prosperity. Now, there's people that are close to, just close to as good. 
But he's just, but you know, if so find who you need and invest some. You got to invest in your life. It's life and death. See, when, when God started, when I dealing with me, I didn't just buy one healing tape. I bought every set. And I still listen to them all the time, all the time, all the time. My healing tapes are not for borrow. I might buy you a set, but I'm not leaving you mine. Because they are quite because they are life and death. And some of you do wrong on that. You're generous. I appreciate it. I'm fixing to talk to you about generosity. I appreciate it. But quit loaning out your lifeblood and not having it for yourself. If you know somebody dying that needs a set, you buy them some, but don't give your lifeblood away. You keep your lifeblood. I got stuff that nobody can have. Why? Because I never know when I might need it. I promise you, when I moved from Trustful to Truscaloosa, I wouldn't put them in the truck. I put my healing tapes in a box and they came in the car with me. Why? I might need them. When I go on a trip, I do not go without a couple of sets of healing tapes in my suitcase. Because you don't know when the devil's going to hit you with a thought or a symptom. And, so, and I have my little cassette tapes with the little earphones. Pastor has to sleep with a tape player every night because now we have a real high bed. I used to drop it off the side of the bed. Now we have a real high bed and it goes pow and, make, and it wakes you up when it hits the floor. So now it's in the middle between us, a tape player <laughs> in the night. He just loves it. <laughs> but I'm serious about this. I'm, you would be surprised how many people have been diagnosed with terminal cancer and you can't get them to listen to a tape. Amen. You can't get them to listen to do, to do anything with the Word of God. I mean, we got family members, and I told them. They, they got to watch Monday Night Football, and they got to watch, and I'm like, you are going to die if you do not put in some priority. And they did. And they knew about healing. How did I get over on healing so much tonight? But, you know, it's really prosperity too. Amen. Amen. And, you know, here's the thing now. Let me explain this. Because we're teaching on prosperity here. If you've got terminal illness... Concentrate on that part first. Get healed. Amen? Get healed. I had to lay... I, I, for two or three years, I studied nothing but healing. I didn't study nothing else. Nothing. I don't have time to read a book. I don't have time to listen to a set of tapes. I don't have time for anything but healing. Now, I went to church, and I heard the balance, you know, there of other things. But in my study time, it's get healed is everything. Now I listen to a whole lot of different stuff. Because you know why? Because I've got it in my heart now. Do I still need to be refreshed? All the time. All the time. Amen? Now, and you know, some of you, if you're walking in health and you've got a good grip on healing, well, then study prosperity. Amen? And I still try, I st what I try to do now is study a little bit of both every day. So keep myself in faith on finances, but keep myself also in faith on healing. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we make those adjustments. We use the word of God. Uh, do we want to go a little longer or we need to stop? Tell me. You're the pastor.
go. Okay, we'll do foundation stone number two. And I'm not even going to do it. I'm just going to read to you. I'm just going to read that one to you. Because, you know, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. He says it better than I can say it. Foundation stone number two, don't be high-minded. Now, let's look at something in 1 Timothy 6. It is a charge to the rich. But it will help you lay a good foundation while you're in the process of getting rich. It will, help, it will keep you from stumbling and falling as God prospers you more and more. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 through 19, I'll just read it, but this is what it says. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up, a, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. He says, let's read that passage in another translation, and this is going to be the Message Bible. Tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God. That's it right there. It just sums it up. Go after God. Amen. Who piles on all the riches we could ever manage. To do good, to be rich in helping others. Listen to this. To be extravagantly generous. That's something we really need to get in our lives is being extravagant. See, because you were taught all your life, don't be extravagant. And so you've really never been extravagant, probably most of you. Have you ever been extravagant? Never. Never been extravagant. Amen. I, I hadn't either. I mean, I'm not trying to put... But have you... Have you ever been extravagant, Kathy? Amen. If you were extravagant, you would feel guilty, wouldn't you? Amen. So see, we got to get that out. Because see, yeah, we've been taught that's being wasteful. Amen. Have you ever been extravagant, uh, Danita? Never. Not one time in her whole life. I mean, we have been a stickler for this, hadn't we? We've got the letter of the law down when it comes to not being extravagant. Anybody on this, here, this side ever been extravagant? Have you ever been extravagant? Amen. You ever gone shopping, David and Kim, and been extravagant? Never. Mm -mm. Y'all ever been extravagant? No. Amen. And if you ever even did a teeny little bit, I bet you felt guilty. You sweated bullets. That's probably not good English, but... but. I bet you came home and you just, oh, 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 I feel so bad. You know? Did you ever be extravagant? Have you ever been extravagant, Leanne? Kind of. <laughs> Did you feel guilty? She felt real guilty. So even the ones in here that have been a little bit extravagant a few times, they felt real guilty. Amen? Amen. So this is what we got to work on right there. That right there is your homework. Two things. Get the Word of God in your heart, in your heart, Start getting the being extravagant down and not feeling guilty about it. Not enough to just be extravagant. Okay, y'all are going on vacation this week. Be extravagant. He's, boy, I'm telling you, he's looking at me like, why did you say that for? <laughs> he's got a wife that's going, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Amen. You know what I want to be extravagant on more than anything I like to be extravagant on? I like to be extravagant on hotel rooms. 
I mean, take me to the plaza, baby. <laughs> I watched this thing on TV last night about weddings at the plaza. I just thought it was awesome. Yep, Lord. <laughs> Amen. That's in New York. It's a good thing they don't have it here. Um, if the, it's okay, he says, if they do that, now this is the word of God, y'all. This is the word of God. Are you a doer of the word? Amen. See, you're real good at being a doer of the word. Don't commit adultery. Do not lie. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Letter of the law. Be extravagant. Mm. That's the word just as much as don't commit adultery. Amen. Just as much as don't lie. Wow. Uh, he says, if they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. You need to learn to be extravagant. And sometimes the way we have to start, I'll just tell you, when it comes to being extravagant, is we can't do it with ourselves first. We have to be extravagant with other people first. Christmas is coming up. You can be extravagant. Now, we're not telling you to charge a bunch of stuff on your charge card. Amen? But we're talking about, and, and extravagant can be in all levels. I mean, if, if say you're invited to a wedding next week and you usually buy a $20 gift, extravagant could be for you to just really launch out there and buy a $50 gift. That would be extravagant, wouldn't it? Amen. I mean, if it just, it's, it's, what you're, it's, it's above what you would just normally feel comfortable with. It's just, and, and Pastor got a hold of this a few years ago, just blessing people. Just like, you know, I would say, well, that would be nice for your mom. And, you know, but, you know, we were only going to spend this much. And he'd say, oh, let's just do it. Let's just bless her. You know, and, 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 and so we got, we started training ourselves to be more that way. Now, we're not there by any means yet. But we're getting where we've got where we don't feel guilty about being extravagant. And we're getting where... We just, you know, we always tend to that side now instead of tending to the other side. Doesn't mean that we always, you know, spend more. Sometimes we find bargains. Uh, and so, and we're not talking about not finding bargains and things like that. We're just talking about when you're faced with two choices, just not always being the cheap route. Not always drawing back. Not always having your heart crunch up. Just saying, well, you know... Here's two choices. I really think this looks like your mom. You know, let's just do it. Or sometimes we'll be shopping and I'll say, you know, your mom would like this. He says, let's just buy it and send it to her, even though it's not Christmas. It's not birthday. Let's just buy it and mail it to her. And it doesn't even have to be anything big. But it's just, it's just going out where it's not normal. Instead of the way I used to be, it's like, well, you know, how cheap can we get by this year? And still look decent to the whole family you know because you know money's tight instead of being extravagant see you got to get that in you amen notice verse 17 tell them to go after God that's what you have to do you have to go after God I went after him when I was broke then he made me rich and I'm still going after him you never you're never to stop going after God. He is able to pile prosperity upon you. He can get you to the place where you can be extravagant in the way you live and the way you give. In this passage, in, verse, in 1 Timothy 6, the Apostle Paul is giving specific commandments that apply to the wealthy. 
Ephesus was a wealthy city. There were members of the church there who were very rich. Paul exhorted Timothy to instruct the wealthy believer on how to handle the prosperity God had given him. So it's good advice for us today. Money is a powerful force. Money is a powerful force. There is a certain wisdom we have to have before we can handle wealth or wealth will destroy us. Let's look at verse 17 again. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Foundational stone number two is this. Be not high-minded. You know high-mindedness is not reserved for the rich. Some people are as broke as they can be and they are high-minded. They are arrogant and offensive and display themselves as superior. They are overcome with a sense of self-importance and overbearing pride. These things ought not to be, whether you are wealthy or broke. The New International Version sheds some more light on 1 Timothy 6:17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You see, you have to avoid a spirit of pride because it will try to come upon you with money. You will be tempted to become conceited and arrogant. What this verse is saying is don't act ugly. It's as simple as that. In other words, don't stop speaking to others just because you have a nice house, a nice car, and nice clothes. You have to get that straight before God will bring you into the wealthy place. You have to have a good attitude right now before you get there. Then you have to hold on to that good attitude. God will give you the kind of house you want, the kind of car you want, and the kind of clothes you want. But you need to prove to him you are not going to get taken with pride and arrogance and conceit. Now let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8 at another admonishment to be not high-minded. All the commandments, this is Deuteronomy 8.1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee this forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. See how he's going to humble you there. See God's been proving you. Amen. Now that doesn't mean your situation was caused by God. But he's just been watching you and seeing what you would do in situations. He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that both that man doth not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord, the, the, the Lord doth man live. God has not prospered you maybe as soon as you thought because he's been proving you. Now he did not cause you to be in a tremendous financial situation where you could not pay your bills. This is, that was old covenant scripture. Amen. Verse 2 says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee. Humble is the opposite of high-minded. Then look at the rest of that verse, And to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. We can see from this verse why God led them through the wilderness. And the same is true for us today. In other words, one reason why some believers don't have their money yet is they have not been proven. Their hearts are not fully turned to the Lord. So if that's you, if your heart's not fully turned to the Lord, then turn it there. Certainly we would say we would support the work of the kingdom if we were wealthy, but the Lord knows what we will do. 
We may need to make an adjustment in our heart. We may need to be proven. Let's look at a New Testament verse that talks about humility. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, in the scripture before, he talks about humbling you, and he says that was to prove you. So we could say that being humbled and being proven are the same. So in 1 Peter there, 5, 6, when he says, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, he tells you to humble yourself, then you could also interpret that. You prove yourself. Amen. Prove yourself. Yes. Prove yourself. Now I'm talking to the Wednesday night crew. Coming to Wednesday night church is, pro is one way you yes. prove yourself. Amen? It really is. I'm telling you, it really is. We cannot make excuses to God. And y'all don't or you wouldn't be here. So coming is one way we prove ourselves. But there are other ways. We prove ourselves by tithing and being consistent. We prove ourselves with offerings. Amen. We prove ourselves by not being high-minded. We prove ourselves by not being, uh, all, all, well, just, just by, by, by staying in faith, by putting the pressure on the Word. We, we prove ourselves by not riding this roller coaster of emotions up and down and up and down and you know, one day in faith and one day in the mully grubs and you know where the mully grubs are. They're way on down there. Amen. Okay, so you got the point. Where am I? I'm on the wrong page. The Bible says that he may exalt you in due time. You see, there is a due time, a due season, when the, and that's when the Lord knows you are ready for prosperity. And then he goes on in Romans 12, 3 to say, uh, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. To be a wealthy person, you have to think soberly. What is an example of humility mixed with wealth? Well, if you were a rich person and your pastor stepped on your toes and said something you didn't like or made some decision you didn't approve of, would you show respect for the man in the office God has called him to? Now, I know we say, yeah, and we would probably in this church. But did you know all over this town and all over the world, the United States, rich people are trying to tell the pastor what to do? Amen. Amen. Would you submit to the pa Actually, we've had that happen in this church. People trying to tell the pastor what to do. People thinking that because they have money, they ought to have special favors. It has happened to us before. Someone said, well, isn't that common sense? No, excuse me. Would you submit to the pastor's authority as he is following Christ, or would you take your money out of the church or try to start another church down the road? Well, you know, this doesn't take a rich person to do this. Actually, we've had this happen to us with somebody whose tithe was $100 a month. Bless God, you don't do it like I want to. I'm taking my tithe. Of course, you know, so, so see, people sometimes try to use their money. You God's not going to bring you into a wealthy place if you're going to try to use your money against the, the work of God in Tuscaloosa or anywhere else. And the answer to that is not to hide your money and not to pretend you're not wealthy and not to just not give and withhold your money. We have that have had that happen in the past before too where rich people come in and try to pretend they're not rich and don't give. Because they don't want to feel like that anybody's... The answer is just give your money and don't put any demands on it. See, all of us, and this is the way we have to give everything. See, when you give a Christmas gift, take your hands off of it. When you give it to them, release it. And if you go to their house two months from now and it's in the garage sale, 
Don't get your feelings hurt. And if you do, you had your hands on it. You didn't really give them that gift. You gave it conditionally. I've had people give me things before. Not church people, but I've had people give me things before and say, I'm giving this to you, but I may want it back. How many family members sometimes will do that? I'm giving this to you, but I might want it back someday. You know, that's, there's a string on sometimes on our gifts. And sometimes there's strings on them even though we don't say there's a string on them. Well, I've just never seen her carry that purse. See, you got a string on it. You didn't give it. You can't even get a harvest on it. Why you got a string on it? Because you care what they do with it. They didn't even write a thank you note. See, you put a string on it. See, you tied that print resin all up with a pretty bow, and then you put a string around it so that you could keep it controlled. And if they don't write you a thank you note, you're not real happy with them. See, you're controlling it, that gift. Amen? Well, see, they, sometimes we do that in the church, too. We give the offering and we go, Did you see what they did? Did you know they remodeled the office? And you know, I know for a fact what we need some stuff in children's church. See, you put a string on your money. You put a string on it. See, so it doesn't take rich people to do that, does it? Someone said, well, isn't that common sense? Of course you wouldn't just take your money and run every time something didn't go your way. But some people have money, yet they have no sense to go with that money. If they had sense, they wouldn't even need the Spirit of God to convict them to make some changes. Amen? Well, that was foundational song number two. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you're smarter than you were. Hallelujah. We're getting our found, so obviously next time we teach on this we're going to be teaching on foundational stone number three hallelujah y'all were such a good 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 pastors already led us in a confession so let's stand up together